Well, good morning to everyone. My name is Brandon. I'm uh, one of the leaders here at Heart of the Father. There's been a lot of new faces here, and so I just want to welcome you here to our community. God is surely doing a lot just within our Heart of the Father family, but also in the nations, uh, specifically our nation. And so this morning, I want to come and share a message I believe the Lord has been speaking to me. And so I come before you with humility, uh, carrying God's word in my heart, and I want to speak his heart and his word this morning. Um, Barry, Dave, and I and our wives, we just got back from an elders retreat this past weekend. So we were in the Kissimmee area, had a little fun, got on the Lazy River, and uh, had a lot of good conversation about the vision here at Heart of the Father and how we see the Lord moving forward and all that he's doing. So I can tell you that we have great confidence and that the Lord is going to establish his kingdom through this church here in this region. Uh, we are not shaken. I think we are full of more confidence than ever before in what God is doing. And so we just want to encourage you guys to buckle in and to continue to ride with us on this journey. We have been learning, uh, I think what came up um, in our prayer time this past weekend is that the Lord, uh, he wants us to remain tender. That we are in a fight, and sometimes the fight is to fight for tenderness. And that the Father wants us to be a community where we represent his heart and his word, even in the midst of all that's going on now. And so, um, but I've been in a wrestle this past week for sure, you know, coming to preach God's word and in the midst of all that's happening, not just in here, but also out there. And so I've had to spend some extra time just sitting and quiet. Been looking at Proverbs 8, it says, blessed is the man who listens to me watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. So blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. And so the reason for my watching, the reason for my waiting is so that I can listen to him. And there's so many other voices, so many opinions, thoughts, and perspectives going on now that is really important and strategic to listen to the Lord. <clears throat> and so this morning as I share, I want to, my goal this morning is to speak a little bit into the racial conflict in our nation, but also I want to help continue to put forth vision on the heels of last week on Vision Sunday. If you did not get our vision packet, there's some out there in the table uh, in the lobby, I would encourage you to grab one, to read through it, to meditate on it, to ask God, what does this look like? Ask God, how can you partner with it? And so I want to kind of combine those two together, um, what's going on here in the nation, and also uh, as a community, how are we responding, how are we moving forward with God's vision and God's plan uh, for us here? Can you guys join me in prayer? Father, here we are your people. And Lord, I pray for every son and daughter in this room that their heart and their mind would be surrendered to you. Father, we ask for your agenda. God, we ask for your will and your ways. Father, I pray that we would hear your voice this morning, that you would speak through your word, that you would speak through your servant. And God, I just pray for peace to rest upon your people. God, I just command confusion to go in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would release peace over those who are frustrated. 
those who are wandering, that you would settle your people, that you would speak over your people, that you would lead us with your rod and your staff, that you are the good shepherd. And Father, I ask that you would help me to communicate with clarity, with purpose, and with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I think if I could simplify everything down to what is happening and what is going on, I would say this, that there are two agendas that we see going forth. The first agenda is the agenda of the devil, the agenda of the enemy. I'm not going to get into politics and all those things, but there's two agendas. There's the devil and what he is doing. And over the past week, to me personally, it's become very clear to me his agenda. His agenda is lawlessness. His agenda is lawlessness. And as I... I've been watching, I feel like my perspective may be a little unique. My dad is black, my mom is white. I was raised primarily by the black side of my family. It wasn't until I was maybe around 18 years old, I was in a class at Florida Southern, and the assignment was to go to your grandparents and ask them about their upbringing and ask them about racism. And I'd never done that before. And so I remember asking my grandma, and she would share some stories my grandfather would share some stories. I, I think the most striking story my grandpa shared with me on the black side of my family, uh, he was raised in Mississippi, and he was working on a cotton field, and this was in the 50s, and if you guys have heard of a young boy named Emmett Till, who was murdered, brutally murdered during that time, <clears throat> my grandfather shared a story that he was working on the field and had some white, uh, for some white people, and during this whole murder of Emmett Till, he remembers his white boss coming to him and saying, hey, there's some people across the field over there. They're really wicked. Don't cross over into that, that territory. And my, grand, my grandpa put together two and two that those were the same two people who were being accused of murdering Emmett Till. And so he was right there in the midst of that. And I remember hearing that story, and I just, I never would have thought of that myself. And so I have in my heart a great love for black people, for white people. And so if you were to think I'm racist, I would say maybe you're a little crazy. It'd be hard for me to be that way. But I, I want to maybe help give some perspective. And so on one side, I see the devil coming forth and releasing lawlessness, whether it's through a white person or a black person. It doesn't really matter the color. But here's how it looks. Here's how it played out to me. First, it started out in rioting and looting. It started out that way, and then it goes into defunding the police, and then it goes into bow down to our agenda. And his agenda, Satan, his agenda is lawlessness. Now, I know all of us could agree, watching the video of George Floyd and the way he was killed, all of our hearts break. And I remember watching that video for the second time, and I just could not, could not help but say, under my breath, officer, just remove your knee. It's really heartbreaking. But nonetheless, justice is being served in that area, but there's another agenda that has slipped in, and it is of lawlessness. And I just I want to make that clear so that we can see what the enemy is doing. And then you have on the other side, the, the second agenda is God's agenda. 
God has an agenda too. And his agenda is that we would actually love his law. Matthew 24, Jesus says, because lawless will increase, the love of many will grow cold. And the Father is saying his law will increase and our hearts will grow and abound in more and more love. So there's two conflicting agendas, literally going in the opposite direction if you can't see. And so this morning I do want to speak into those a little bit. But here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to share some testimonies. If you've been watching the news, you can become easily discouraged. And I think sometimes when we gather together, I know we had a core team meeting a couple weeks ago, and it was, it was just heavy. With all that's going on, it was pretty heavy. And so I did some research for us this morning, and I wanted to see what is God actually doing? Because we hear the news, we see the chaos, we see everything that's wrong, but I want to know what God is doing. Have you been looking for what God is doing? Or have you just been watching the news? If you're watching the news, you will grow more and more discouraged. So I have a couple stories I wanted to read before I get into the message part. There's a group called Civil Righteousness. And they are basically a group, that, a Christian group that are going after activism uh, in the communities. And here's a story. They were actually in Minneapolis. It says this, a true revival is happening at Floyd Ground Zero in Minneapolis. 48 hours ago, we partnered with several local ministries and others from around the nation to build a stage, to build the wall, and to proclaim the justice that only Jesus can bring. Miracles happened right before our eyes, and we were met with astounding favor and grace. We felt that it was just a foretaste. 24 hours later, the team did it again, but God stretched out his hand, and thousands experienced the joy of the Lord. A hundred surrendered their lives to Jesus. Repentance, reconciliation filled the streets. Healing miracles occurred. The testimonies, too, nu- too numerous to count. Tonight, a baptismal pool has been set up, and we are believing for more. America has been, a, been in a rude awakening since 2014, but it changes to a great awakening when the frequency of freedom is released through the joyful sound of the good news. Though our location happens to be in the epicenter, we were just one of many. The body of Christ in Minneapolis is fully engaged. This week, we will be gathering reports and encouragements from all other cities as the people of God run into the gaps. There's another one, the Circuit Riders, based out of California. A team of four of us from the Circuit Riders left for Minneapolis, Minnesota on May 31st with less than 48-hour notice. We knew that we had to respond like Jesus in the midst of this crisis and go into the epicenter of pain and injustice. We had no concrete plans but just a wild expectation for God to move. On June 1st, we ended up meeting a pastor and his wife who pastored Worldwide Outreach for Christ. The church shared the same intersection with the location where George Floyd was killed. After an, uh, after an accelerated time of friendship, the pastor gave us the invitation to host hope rallies on the streets. Our team left, regrouped, and returned to Minneapolis the weekend of June 5th with additional missionaries from circuit riders, YWAM, and civil righteousness. In three days, we saw God do the impossible. Over 100, uh, over 100 people responded to the gospel. Hearts were restored. Healing broke out. Hope was restored. We believe God wants to change the narrative, and he is inviting his church to lead from the front lines. 
I got two more. Fox News, they released an article about ministries ministering during this time, but a group of ministries have been holding daily services at the epicenter that sparked protests around the world. We're going from pain and hatred to healing and hope, one pastor said. There's this new narrative of the gospel, he continued. One man was hopeless, overdosed on drugs, left without a pulse, and the next day he found a purpose to his life at the service. A 90-year-old man got his call, his life call, as a minister. He signed up to go to Bible school and, sh- and to share the message that radically changed his life. Others have been baptized. This pastor, whose church has been on the corner for 38 years, has preached and had members of his congregation lead worship and prayer at the memorial site. One person said, I came here and I was broken. It's effects it affects team members differently, but those of us of color, as we are here, we're watching the, the change happen through the gospel. My heart is so filled with hope. Those in the neighborhood are saying this is unprecedented unity. They're feeling an outpouring of love and hope from this nation. And the last one, as they released the National Guard in that area, there's a story specifically about one of the National Guard members. <clears throat> Taylor parked the National, Guard tr- the National Guard gun truck beside the Rapid Response Team's mobile center, a vehicle that serves as a safe haven for conversations with chaplains. The 20-year-old sur- soldier is part of the Minnesota National Guard. Little did Taylor know that while she was on assignment, God had his own mission in mind for her. She stopped by the mobile ministry center asking about its role and purpose. The conversation eventually carried into her relationship with God. And she was given a Steps to Peace booklet, which explains how to know Jesus. Taylor was called away, but she would read the booklet later. The next day, Taylor once again parked parked by the mobile ministry center, but said she hadn't had a chance to read the booklet yet. The chaplains met another soldier from her unit who shared that he's a Christian and hoped to have a conversation with Taylor about Jesus. He did so, and on the third day, chaplains saw Taylor again. They found that she had not just read the booklet, but she had prayed the prayer to receive Christ. The chaplains gave her a Billy Graham Training Center Bible as she asked them questions about how to read and study the Word. They provided her with tips and some some of their favorite verses, and they gave her a Bible reading plan to help her grow in her faith. So do you see that God is moving? I share those because I do not want us to become a community that becomes depressed on all that the devil is doing. Some of, I've seen some of you put on Facebook, you're signing off of Facebook for a while. I would say yes and amen, do that. But we have to get caught up in God's narrative here. We have to stay focused and be intentional about what the Father is doing in his agenda. So my question for you is, whose agenda are you following? Whose agenda are you more in tune with? Can you tell me about all the rioting and looting, but you can't tell me what the Lord is saying? Are we just at home watching videos and videos and videos of all that's going on, but we're not even in the Word? It's really important that we stay in the Word of God during this time. So I have four Ways that I believe that we need to respond to the Father during this time. Four ways that we need to respond to Him. 
The first way that we need to respond to the Lord, and you've been hearing it in our language, that we want to be a community that pleases God. And there's a way to please Him in this time. The first way is that we need to embrace, we need to envision covenant community as a multi-generational, multi-racial, and multi-functional expression of Jesus. We need to embrace covenant community as a multi-generational, multi-racial, and multi-functional expression of Jesus. What I mean by that is when you think covenant community, what comes to your mind? When you think covenant community and family, what comes to your mind? I wish I could see what comes into your mind. Do you just think about you and just your safe family just at home and, and secure? If you're white, do you just think about you and just specifically white Christians surrounding you? If you're black, is it just you and blacks surrounding you? And wh- whatever ethnic group you're of, what comes into your mind when we say covenant community? I want to come to your mind when we say that phrase, covenant community, I want you to think multi-generational. I want you to think multi-racial. I want you to think multi-functional. Open up with me to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. It says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Go to Revelation chapter 7. Side note, the worship team wrote a song out of Revelation 5 that we'll hear soon. Look at verse 9 through 10. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. When you think covenant community, I want you to think this right here. That when we stand before God one day in heaven, we're going to be standing. There's going to be a sea of people. And we're going to worship God. And you're going to look to your right and you're going to see an Asian person. You're going to look to your left and see an African person. And you don't know what they're saying. But what's going to catch you is that you're going to see the, the face of Jesus in both of them. And there's no, there's no words for the screens. There's no worship leader. We can't even speak the same language. 
But it's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who puts forth worship in our hearts. In Ephesians, it says, For through Him, through Christ, we have access by one Spirit to the Father. Think about that. We're surrounded by people we don't even know, and we're singing the same songs, and you see the face of Christ in them and through them. That's what it's going to look like. I've been, I tell Allison this often, and I'm joking, but not really. I tell her, man, we need to get a couple more gospel songs going on in here. Now, she'll say, I don't have grace for that, brand. I can't do those songs. I'm like, all right, well, let's find someone who can. Randy Horton had a little bit going. We're Mason that, yeah. But I, for me personally, I was saved in a black Pentecostal church. So we start playing some of those songs to worship you, I live. Help me, Lord. When I think about the Lord, you don't want me to start singing in here. I'm just saying, we start playing some of those songs, and are you going to get uncomfortable and say, oh, I, I, I can't. I can't, I can't worship to that song. It's not my, my, my style, not my flavor. I've been talking to Carissa about doing more drama, doing more things that are functioning in the body that are just different than the norm. Where, where are the arts? Where are the drama? Will we embrace covenant community as a multi-generational, multi-racial, and a multi-functional expression of Jesus. One of my best friends, he's a Christian rapper, amazing at freestyling. I would love for him just to move to Lakeland and be a part of this community, give him the mic, and just let it rip. Now, for some of you, you may say, you may struggle with that, and that's okay. Here's what I would say. I look at Christian rap I look at it this way, that it's basically intercession, but they're just saying it really fast. <laughs> or you can put it this way, it's like reading the book of Psalms, but they're just going through it pretty quick and just... <laughs> Maybe that'll help you embrace that. But, but really, I, I, just, I have this picture in my mind that as we continue to move forward, we will grow more and more diverse. Are we ready for that? Are we willing? I want our hearts to be open to this. I really do. I want, I want to see just, an, a, a, just many colors. I just, I just see in my mind colors, different expressions, different movements, different flows. I want that in our community. And I, I believe the Lord will do it. We live in the 30th largest school district in the nation, with Polk County. We've got three major colleges here in Polk County. I want to see a generation gripped for God and that they could come to the church and be used by God. But I'll make this statement here. As the people of God, it is important to welcome into our culture or welcome in our cultural Sorry, let me read that again. As the people of God, it is important to welcome in our cultural differences, but not at the expense of losing the culture of the kingdom. Okay? I want to welcome in whatever culture you bring in from your upbringing, 
Yes, I receive that. That's awesome. But we are going to always defer to the culture of the kingdom. If your culture dishonors God, we don't want your culture here. I know some of us are raised a certain way. We may have a loose mouth. And you say, that's just my culture. Well, that's not honoring God, so please don't bring that here. So we need to envision covenant community as a multi-generational, multi-racial, multi-functional expression of Jesus. Number two, we need to understand that the gospel is God's plan to abolish all injustices. We really need to grab hold of this. Most of us, we, see the God, we, we hear the word gospel and we just think the forgiveness of sins. I'll share the gospel, you're forgiven, and that's the end of the story. And that's important. It really is. We need the forgiveness of sins. But that is only a part of the gospel. There's so much more to it. Now, I understand the issue of racism. It is a sin issue. And so we need the gospel to deal with that. We can talk about, let's restructure some things. Let's make a new little organizational thing. You can talk about systematic racism, all that stuff. I'm going to tell you, the gospel needs to be preached first. It's a sin issue. It's a heart issue, not a structural issue. One man said, it's not an organization problem. It's an organism problem. That's why we need the preaching of the gospel, the forgiveness of sins. And let's go a little bit further. Here's what Stuart grieves. He wrote a book called False Justice. Here was a little bit of his experience with the gospel. Here's what he says. He says, I saw that the cross of Christ had not only paid for the sins of the earth on a personal level, but the cross was actually the inauguration of a kingdom ruled by Jesus, the king who cares deeply about justice coming to the earth. I began to see that Christ was not only to have leadership in all things pertaining to my personal life and salvation, but all things concerning society and creation. Jesus, the just one, will have supremacy over all humanity as well as all of the cosmos. So what I'm saying here is that we are preaching a gospel of the forgiveness of sins and we're preaching of the coming king who has a kingdom and the kingdom rule is gospel. There's good news. And he's coming to establish justice on the earth. He's coming to raise up every valley. He's coming to flatten every mount, mountaintop. He's going to make the crooked path straight. As my dad was sharing with me this past week, within the past couple of years, he's faced race, racism in his, in his workplace. And so we could talk about, man, you know, what should we do there and, and, and maybe restructure some things or, you know, my heart is, is try to help and try to participate as much as I can. But sometimes, you know, what we need to tell people is, brother, there's going to be racism until the Lord returns. In the gospel, there's a hope that when he comes, he will take vengeance on wicked authorities, on sinful people who don't turn to him. We have to preach this. This is the gospel that he would come, he's going to come and do this. Do we believe he's going to come and do this? So you preach forgiveness of sins, but also preach the king is coming. 
The king is coming. You may not get justice now, but you will. That's, hope, that's hopeful. That can be shared with a lot of people who are marginalized in, the, in our society. Isaiah 42 says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he establish justice in the earth. You know, as I've been seeing the increase of lawlessness happen through the news, it's beginning to make sense why the church in Revelation begins to celebrate and pray for and ask for God's judgments to be released. I mean, think about it. Lawlessness is increasing. And on the other end, we're saying, God, would you come, would you release your judgment and your justice? We need your law. We need you to come. And we actually celebrate that. Maybe in the days ahead, it won't be so awkward to celebrate God's judgments. But as you see the terror and the fear and the chaos and the craziness out there, maybe we'll look at the church in Revelation and say, hmm, maybe they're on to something. I would rather have that than that. The third way we need to respond to God. We need to God by doing good to our neighbors. Third way to respond to God is to seek God by doing good to our neighbors. Turn over to the book Amos, the prophet Amos. When you read the book of Joel, you notice that the Lord calls his people to repentance and he tells them, he tells them to call a fast, consecrate the elders, call a sacred assembly. In other words, gather together. Let the priests do ministry before the Lord. But in the book of Amos, the Lord calls for, for actually for a different response. Look at Amos chapter 5, verse 21. There are times and seasons where our response to God has to be strategic. And this is one of those times where I think we need to respond to God in a strategic way. Here's what he says to the people of God, to the Israelites in Amos chapter 5, verse 21. He says, I hate... I despise your feast days, and I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though, your offer, though you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. So in Joel, the Lord says, gather together, let the priests do ministry, 
Have a meeting, fast, pray, seek the Lord. In Amos, he says, don't do that. Quit singing songs. Don't offer up any kind of offerings. I don't want them. So in one book, he calls us to respond another way. In Amos, he calls us to respond this way, to quit business as usual. And then look at verse 1. He tells us how he wants us to respond. Chapter 5, sorry, verse 4. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. Look at verse 14. Seek good and not evil that you may live. So the Lord God of hosts will be with you as you have spoken. Hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. And go to verse 24. But let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Flip over a couple books to to, uh, Micah. The people of God in Micah are found in a similar situation. Micah chapter 6. Stay with me here. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with the calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? The answer is no. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. And so the response is not to, let's just keep having more and more Sunday services and not respond to any of the injustices going on. The response the Lord is saying is that we need to get involved. We actually have an answer and we should have a response to what is going on. So what does this look like practically for us to do good to our neighbors during this time? I made a post on Facebook and, and, and tried to help maybe give some direction. I want to refer back to that. If you're a white person, maybe during this time, how you can do good to your neighbor is you listen to them. If you have a black friend who's a Christian believer, ask them their story. Can you weep with them for a moment? I had a friend I used to work with. She reached out to me and said, Brandon, I took your advice, and I met with a black sister of mine. And she said, I asked her of her story, and she told me, and I just cried. She just cried. She didn't have to whip out all the statistics. And I get it. I I see the statistics. I know them. I'm not going to you know, throw out the window. But now is the time to maybe listen. If you're a white Christian, listen to your black Christian brother. Weep with them for a moment. Is, is there any tenderness in your heart towards them? And if you're a black Christian, maybe the time for you is to forgive, to let go of bitterness and anger, and maybe go to your white Christian brother and grab their hand and walk with them 
Bring them along in your story. There has to be something. We have to begin to come together during this time. This is not the time to just start getting your own ideas and your own agenda. Will we buy God's, God's agenda? Will we sell out for it? Where are the peacemakers? Does anyone have any wisdom? Does anyone have any relational, Derek's been relational IQ? Do we have any emotional IQ? If someone's been through something very traumatic, you don't whip out the facts. Just listen for a little bit. And I'm going to put this out there as well. This may be helpful for some of you, but there's a couple of people, black people in the community who are speaking these facts to the black community. I would let them do that. They have the better context to do that. If you're a white person, I wouldn't go into the black community and try to blow up that stuff. It's just not going to help. All right? But it's, it's really helpful if we just slow down, get some wisdom, get some understanding, and not just respond in the heat of the moment. We need some wisdom. So we need to seek God by doing good to our neighbor. Don't just say, hey, man, I'm going to be in my prayer closet. Uh, I'll just hide out here for a while. No. God is saying, yes, pray, but then you got to get out and you got to go do some good. The fourth way to respond is that we need to bow in prayer to the Father in repentance and with hope. We need to bow in prayer to the Father in repentance and with hope. The key phrase I just said, bow to the Father. It's getting a little weird out there. I've been seeing White people bow down to black people. I've been seeing a black person who has white people in chains and just dragging them along throughout the city. And that's the white person's way of repenting or saying sorry. As believers in Jesus Christ, we bow to the Father. I'm all for repenting for things we've done wrong. Nehemiah is a great example. He repented for his sins and the sins of his father's house. Remember, though, he bowed to the father. I don't think we need to get into all of this, I'm going to lay prostrate before someone and just repent to them as if they're God. That stuff's getting a little weird to me. To me, I watch it, and I'm like, that's really uncomfortable, probably shouldn't do that. So I want to give you permission. As a white believer, you don't need to bow down to a black person. Now, if you maybe want to bow down together to the Father, that's okay. But let's be, let's be clear here. We are bowing down to God. Don't get caught up in this weird, funny stuff. It's manipulative. It's controlling. Remember, there's an agenda. It's really important before you go to this thing or that thing, you need to get clear on what is the agenda behind this. 
And if we need to repent, we need to do that. James 2, he's very clear on if someone comes in here dressed in gold and fine apparel, and someone comes in here poor and wretched, and we defer to one than the other, he says we've shown partiality. We've, we've shown discrimination. And he says that you've judged them with evil thoughts. That is not pleasing to God. That cannot be so in the church. It cannot be so in the church. So if you need to repent, if you look at people through skin, you need to repent of that. Now, I understand. I'm not going to say, let's act like no one has a skin color. We all have a skin color. That's fine. But Satan, he will consistently and always look at people through their skin color. The father looks at people through his son. Can we see each other through the spirit? I appreciate your culture, your color, where you've been, all that stuff. I really do. But at the end of the day, I want God's agenda for your life and my life. And we need to pray with hope. I shared those testimonies at the very beginning. Some of you look hopeless at times. We need to pray with hope. I remember this phrase that really shaped my prayer life. I forgot the, the, the Christian who wrote this book. It Actually, the book said it was written by an unknown Christian. They didn't put their name on it. But they said this. They said, prayer is not about overcoming God's reluctance, but it's about laying hold of his highest willingness. So when you pray, are you like, God, you got to move. Oh, just you're moving slow. And if maybe if we pray enough and maybe if we just say enough, maybe he'll move. I used to, that was my paradigm for prayer. I got to pray enough and, and, and say enough and he'll finally move. And I read that phrase, prayer is about laying hold of his highest willingness, seeing it, hearing it, and then you pray it and it goes forth. Do we do that in the place of prayer? Do we lay hold of God's highest willingness for racial conflict? Are you laying hold of God's agenda for his church? We're going to go into some prayer circles as the altar call this morning. I want us as a community to lay hold of God's highest willingness for his church, and then we pray and we prophesy until it comes. So what has he been speaking to your heart? I have a feeling that there are plenty of you in here that you have God's agenda in your heart and you need to pray it out and you need to prophesy it out. I've been having this feeling in my heart. The Lord's just been speaking to me saying, there's there's a group of my people who are ready. There are some who are ready. There are some who are not. But those of you who are ready, there's a prayer, there's a dream in your heart that's from the Father and you need to release it. It needs to come forth. We need to pray with hope. There's a group out there I mentioned earlier called Civil Righteousness. I would encourage you to uh, follow them if you can. I was reading what they're about in their story, and they said this, that they go around from city to city, wherever there's any kind of uh, social injustice, and he said that they take the altars of pain and replace them with altars of prayer. They take people's altars of pain and they replace it with the altar of prayer. 
that looks like they're laying hold of God's highest willingness to me. They're grabbing hold of something that's in God's heart and just letting it flesh out. So in closing, and I want to leave some time for prayer circles. Grace, you can come up. My heart is filled with hope that we, the church, who is composed of blacks, whites, and multiple other nationalities and races, we can rise up and begin to lead the way and partner with God's heart and word to show the world that there is a place where racism and injustices do not exist. That place is in Christ and in his church. And I pray that God would do a mighty miracle in our midst by giving us the grace and desire to lay down our agenda in order to pursue his agenda and empty ourselves of our own desires so that he can truly fill all things with himself. And that out of that fullness in our community, there would constantly be an outflow of the gospel and its transforming power into the surrounding cultures, bringing a true demonstration of the kingdom of God and its glory. Can you stand with me? So this morning, the altar call is that we're going to break up into prayer circles, and I want us to begin to pray specifically for this community, Heart of the Father Ministry, that we would be a place that demonstrates God's agenda. I want us to pray that we would empty ourselves of our own ways, our own thoughts, our own will, and that God would fill us with his heart, he would fill us with his word, he would fill us with his agenda, and then we would begin to act and to respond.